Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktana, and today we'll be working with the connection Akasha has with our bodies, specifically our back, and how that powers psychic abilities. Akashic energy is the stuff from which everything comes into being. It's the raw material which creates matter, the force which brings matter into form, and the life force which animates this form. Akasha is what souls are made of, live in, and create from. It flows through each of us as prana or chi, imparting universal wisdom and physical experience. As Akasha passes through us, our thoughts, emotions, actions, choices, and desires transform it in order to manifest both ourselves within and our creations without. Think of Akasha somewhat like air. We need it in order to survive. Air in its essential untouched state is a very simple uncomplicated gas. However, in most cases, it is far from untouched. Air goes everywhere, touches practically everything, collecting bits of this and depositing bits of that. This is one reason why we have terms like air quality, which measure just how much air there is compared to all the other things which are competing in air space. Air is a simple thing, yet how we use it is not simple. Air is brought into the bloodstream and carried to all aspects of us, nourishing our toes as well as our brains and everything in between. It travels through highly complex maps of our bodies, being transmuted or manifested into something else through the process, and afterwards being expelled as something new which is useful for others. This something new is informed by us. It carries microscopic bits of us out into the world. Akasha comes into us with information, wisdom, experience, and potential. Universal Akashic energy comes into us through the top of our head, moves through us, then exits out into the world as manifestation through our feet or perineum. Manifested Akasha, or earth energy, moves into us through our feet or perineum and flows upwards until it continues out past our head and into the universe. This is in part how our Akashic record or soul book notes our every minute interaction. We are informing it as we go along, simply by being. As Akasha passes through us in either or both directions, we use and transform it in a variety of ways for a multiplicity of purposes. The chakra system describes how we use it to interact with ourselves, the world around us, and the bigger universe beyond, from survival energies which keep us safely in our bodies, speaking our truth, and seeing the bigger picture of life's interconnectedness. Chinese medicine maps how Akasha helps us manifest our physical selves, how emotions affect our ability to manifest, how they attempt to express the desires of our soul or need to be supported in order to create healthy flow. Kabbalah charts the soul's manifestation process and allows us to interact with it consciously so we can both receive and create living fully in an embodied life while accessing the wisdom beyond it. 
the body doesn't use Akasha uniformly any more than it does oxygen. The right-hand side of the body focuses Akasha on processes which concern things moving outwards from the person. This includes work and careers, hobbies, travel, doing activities with friends, going to the gym, sports, and so on. The right arm will be actively doing these things or attempting to put them in motion, while the right leg is manifesting us into the right place or situation or relationship so we can use our arm effectively. It doesn't matter what skills or intentions you might have if you can't reach what you're aiming for. The left side does similar but opposite things. It's the side of self-care, self-worth, celebration, community, acceptance, and meaningful life. This is where we're meant to be rather than do, where community is formed, we are celebrated, and we have a place within the all. A majority of people struggle with all these things, which is echoed in their left side being less adept at doing most things and often being less developed muscularly. As humans, the body also utilizes Akasha different in the front compared to the back. We are front-facing beings who rely on sight as our primary sense. Much of our physical communication comes from vocalizations emanating from the mouth, facial movements, and hand gestures. Our secondary sexual characteristics, such as breasts or beards, which in part help us understand how to socially interact with the other, are front-facing. The way in which our joints bend brings everything to the front, and so our akasha is most active and most available to conscious influence in the front. To put this in perspective, energy healers gather, transform, and emanate healing energy through their hands and their voices rather than their backs. We don't sit on another person or lean our back against them in order to provide healing. Or, to look at it another way, when we see someone on the street, we don't try to make a lot of meaning from what we see or pass judgment when we're looking solely at their back. We do check to see they have no toilet paper stuck to their shoes or have things tucked where they aren't meant to be or untucked when they should be. This is in part because we're instinctively aware of the vulnerabilities and limitations we all have concerning our backsides. Without mirrors, we simply have no means of seeing them effectively. So it's only when the person turns around and we can see their front that we begin to put meaning to who they might be, what they're doing, and how we should interconnect with them or not in the moment. However, we have as much Akasha running through us in back as we do in front. Our backs contain and maintain three key aspects of embodiment. Infrastructure, perceptive-receptive nervous system, and storage processing. The foundations of everything we are and do, the infrastructure for how we exist in and navigate the world, stems from our back. The neck, which provides support for our thoughts, perceptions, and creativity, which creates the structure for our voices to resound into the world and our perspectives to be heard, also survives our stress as we attempt to navigate the world and its complexity. Our sacrum creates a flexible place where we can cradle our sense of self-worth, 
actively value ourselves and others individually, move ourselves into and out of situations where we are receiving, creating, giving, and taking, while maintaining a firm balance in an ever-changing world. Being both flexible and strong, the small of our back allows us to stand straight and yet to bend. However, our back also must reflect how we are manifesting akasha, transmuting it through us. Hence, necks get out of alignment, discs can be crushed or even disintegrate, bones can fracture, joints can disconnect or freeze, each in interaction with the akasha, which is us. Our bodies are the means by which we live and therefore reflect how we are living in any given moment. It's not uncommon for people who need to change a fundamental principle by which they have lived to break a bone, thereby literally changing their foundation. Stiff necks can reflect our experience of being unheard or invalidated. Rounded shoulders can be about overly focusing on making things happen or what is directly in front of us, like a mouse focused on food. Standing straight requires us to acknowledge all that we are and all which is around us, for better or worse. Our backs, from the neck to our sacrum, host a portion of our nervous system we too often ignore. While it's common for people to refer to psychic gifts as mysteriously acquiring information from the ether, which they then must handle, or as being located within the third eye, these gifts the ability to receive a variety of information which is not available to us via our physical senses, are actually located in our backs. While we are focused in front on the issues present in our conscious mind, such as making sure we don't run off the road while driving, taking a call, and trying to drink our coffee, our back is a radar dish taking in energetic information in all its forms. Most people have direct experience of this when they feel the hair on the back of their neck rise due to some unwanted or suspect attention. While our energy field extends all around us and is interacting with the world spherically, it's our back which receives the information, bringing it into our system to be disseminated. Anything suspect is routed into our protective system, such as our root chakra. Things which require soul-level wisdom or are an opportunity for movement forward on our path go to our gut, or chakra three, for intuitive interpretation. What we think of as psychic information is processed through the third eye, which converts it into forms providing us with meaning and context. The backside of us also provides us with one of the best survival skills we can have for embodied life, which is storage and the ability to retrieve or process what has been stored. There are many times in life when we are unable, in the moment, to deal with the entirety of the situation. This is the reason we have certain safety procedures drilled into our heads. For example, if you start burning, you should stop, drop, and roll. If you're an offender bender, you're advised to get your vehicle off the road safely if you can, take pictures, trade insurance and personal information, do not admit fault, and call emergency services if necessary. If there's a sudden drop in cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will drop in front of you. Put yours on before you help anyone with you, and so on. We need information drilled into our bodies through this type of repetition 
because in the moment we will not be able to process things logically. Our minds will turn off and dissociate, relinquishing control of the situation to the soul and the body. Time will stand still or become incredibly slow. We'll start becoming a mental reporter, taking in information without putting meaning to it. All the while, the body will be doing what is necessary for us to survive while storing what we can't process. Once the event is over, once the body gives the all-clear we're safe, then the mind can start processing what's happened, taking the raw data and putting it back into linear time so it can be part of our experience and narrative as we move forward into the next now. However, there are times when we simply aren't able or willing to process all of this. We may be in a long-term situation which is abusive, or struggling with things which already have us so completely engaged we simply can't take on anymore. Perhaps we're parents with demanding careers as well as small children, and so anything beyond handling both of these, such as a negative relationship with a sibling or a marriage which is rocky, simply has to be pushed to the back burner. Or if we have both children to raise and aging parents which need elder care. Or a sibling, spouse, parent, or child who has addiction issues which co-opt the entire family due to the consequences of their behaviors and needs. On the other hand, it might be that what we have experienced is something we're unwilling to process at a later time. We can be too afraid to acknowledge or admit what occurred, frightened that the enormity of our emotions about the matter will overwhelm or even destroy us, or terrified of how things could be forever changed when we have spent so much time and effort creating something which resembles normalcy. No matter why we're storing these events, emotions, and information, where it resides is most often in the back of us. Because we are specifically working not to be conscious of the issue, we cannot hold it in the front where we are most conscious of ourselves and processing what we're working with throughout the day. Instead, we shove it in the back, like putting something we want to hide or don't know what to do with into the back of the closet where it'll hopefully be forgotten. People tend to speak of this process as pushing things down, but in reality, we're pushing them back to the back of our minds, the back of our spines, the back of our feet to weight our heels and drag us down. Over time, all of this stored material can cause logistical problems in other aspects of our lives. If our neck and shoulders are bearing the weight of our baggage, then it doesn't matter how many remedies we try. Our shoulders and neck will be tight and give us pain. If our lower back is struggling with the weight of our abusive childhood years, then it will push back against our efforts to get it to relax. The radar dish of our back can become clogged with old information so it stops receiving everything it would normally, and what it does receive is filtered through old business. It can be set on ultra-high because we are hypervigilant and therefore will be giving us too much information, which makes us feel we need to retreat from the world as a form of self-defense. Or our back can be working so hard to receive what is possible through the gaps it has to work with that some information comes in incredibly heightened, while other information is screened out altogether. 
This can cause all manner of confusion, as we try to parse out why one single voice came to us so loudly, while nothing else came at all. Why we can sometimes receive visuals and other times only vague feelings. Or why some event occurred which seems to have great significance because it was so very impactful, but we're not able to determine what it means. Being balanced as a human being means not only being fluent with both our left side as well as our right, but being fully conversant with ourselves both front and back. The best place to start with this is by checking in. One of the most effective ways I've found for doing this is to either lie down on a firm surface with your arms and legs uncrossed, or sit upright, feet flat on the floor, with your back firmly against a chair or wall. Having the tactile sensation and being conscious of creating it helps us turn our focus towards the back. Once in a position, start asking yourself how you feel in the part of your skull which is closest to the floor or wall. This won't be the very top of your head unless you're a contortionist. It will be a point behind this and about an inch lower. From this point, begin asking the question slowly, by inches even, of each portion of your entire backside from head to heels. Ask how the backs of your ears feel. Now how about the spot between your spine and your right shoulder blade? How's the point just above the top of your left pelvic bone? Talked with the hamstring just above the back of your knee lately? For those who work with the chakras, this can be done using chakra meditations, but requires you to resist the urge to move through the back and spine in order to reach them. Your chakras inhabit your backside as much as the front, so check out what they're doing and being on the muscular level of your back. How are they different or interact differently when you approach them by way of the kidneys? If you do this exercise not as a means of cataloging hurts or finding fault, but as a reporter or someone who is just meeting another person for the first time, you'll discover amazing things and hear wisdom you didn't realize you had in you. Like an MRI or CAT scan, this process will start to inform you of what's going on inside. For those who want to clear out the body closet, a place to start is with the feet. I call this the toothpaste tube method, where you're pushing things up from the bottom up to where they can be useful. Have the toes of one foot massaged, not for relaxation, but for processing. Encourage the body to communicate rather than release. Emotions, memories, information, wisdom, or even desires will begin to rise. And once they're into the conscious mind, they no longer need to be stored. Therefore, the toes will be free of them. This can be healing to the body, as it no longer needs to message where there's imbalance, and also is healing to the soul, as it can then process things which are long overdue for positive attention. For areas which are injured, chronically in pain or out of alignment, focused attention to ask what it is they need can provide an array of responses, such as the desire for targeted stretching exercises the need to do supported inversions with a tilt board or through yoga poses, or a release of wisdom which targets a specific situation we are long overdue to confront. 
Focusing on the radar dish of our back, tracing the nervous system as it moves in and out of the spine, can help us find where things are blocked, clogged, intertwined with emotions, and in need of attention. Clearing this, becoming aware of it and even building fluency with the system, can bring psychic gifts into focus, allowing us to participate more fully in the interconnectedness of life. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be taking a look at Kundalini and how it's the Akashic flow which supports our self-actualization. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.